I want to tell you one quick story because I believe it's, it's, it's a really great story. At least it's, it's always been one that I've thought about. There was uh, one of the nursing homes I, I was at um, as a, an assistant administrator and later as an administrator, there was an old Jewish man by the name of Max. And Max was a Holocaust survivor. And uh, Max and I, I always got to be friends. He was in a wheelchair, and I don't even remember how old he was then, but he was quite old, and he was pretty sick. But he, he would always talk with me and tell me stories. And Max knew I was going to college at night. I did almost all of my uh, college at night, and it took me 10 years to get my bachelor's degree. And, uh, and you know, my kids always joke. I tell them that, you know, hey, I, I spent 10 years in college. And they look at me and they say, Dad, normally they call those doctors. And, uh, <laughs> well, not me, but, but I went to school at night, and I was an assistant administrator and, and administrator during the day. But Max used to tell me, he knew that I was going to college and at night, and he, he would always tell me, that's so good. That's really good. He said, he would tell me things like, invest in your mind, invest in your education. And as a Holocaust survivor, here's the thing he would say to me, because they'll never be able to take it away from you. And he would constantly tell me that. And uh, so anyway, I, I say that because I want to talk to you today about your mind, about our minds. And you know, the, there's a saying that says, the mind is a terrible thing to waste. Anybody ever heard that? Amen? And uh, how many of you think that your mind would be a terrible thing to waste? Amen. It is, isn't it? We need to be constant learners, and we need to use our minds. We need to keep our minds active. Well, I want to talk with you a different aspect of, of, of our minds today, okay? And our minds are an extremely important part of our lives, and if you're wondering why I'm sitting down today, because I've had some back issues the last few days, and I may stand up and sit down, so if that's all right with you. And, uh, but uh, it, right now, it feels pretty good sitting down, okay? And I forgot to join you all and sit down for a few minutes. But how many of you know we were, we were created in the image and according to the likeness of God? Amen. Okay, we know that, right? We were created in His image and according to His likeness. God is a triune God. You know what that means? That means God is three in one. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, okay? But he created us the way that we're created likenesses. We're, we're three in one, too. We are triune. We are spirit, soul, and body. He created us. That's the way he created us in his likeness. Now, listen to this. This is 1 Thessalonians 5.23. It says, now may the God of peace, how many know that our God is a God of peace, Okay? Always remember that. I'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. How many of you know it's not just your soul that's saved? It's a lot of times we'll say, you know, that thank God he saved my soul. But here he tells us here, Paul writes here that it's spirit, soul, and body because that is, that's what makes us a complete person. That's what makes us in the image and the likeness of God. We won't get too deep into that today, but here's what I want you to know. We are spirit. We Say, we are spirit. I am spirit. I live in a body. 
I have a soul. Okay? That's what makes us complete. Spirit, the word spirit is the, is the Greek word pneuma, and it means breath of God. The, we as spirit is because the breath of God, if you go back to Genesis, God breathed into, into Adam the breath of God. He breathed. Now, it's a different word in the Hebrew, but it, in the, the Greek, it's pneuma. It's the breath of God. We, our body is orkia in the Greek, and that means the abode or dwelling place. How many know we live in a body? Paul, in, in, uh, in 2 Corinthians 5, 1, Paul, he, he, said, he calls it a tent. He says, now that we are in this tent, he calls this body a tent. You know, I have like a, a four or five person size tent. You know? <laughs> Some of you have a one person size tent. Some of you have a teepee. <laughs> but, but my tent, my tent sometimes expands out a little too wide, but we live in a tent, right? Okay. And uh, now... Our soul is the word suke, suke, and it means psyche. It's where we get the word psychology, okay? It's the Greek word suke. Now listen to this. The soul is made up of the mind, the will, and the emotions, okay? Your soul, which is one part of who you are, you don't just have a body, you live in a body. It's all the way God created you. We don't just have a soul. We our soul is the way God created us. It's our mind, our will, and our emotions. And hear this. Your mind controls your will and your emotions. The mind is a very important part of your life, and that is why it is so important for you to control what you allow to go into your mind. Are you hearing me? It is so important. Now, I, by the way, uh, your message notes, if you go to YouVersion app and go to the little, uh, the bottom right where it says more and then click on events, you can get these message notes. Go in there right now. If you don't even want to keep up with them, just save them so you can add to them later. Okay, that's through version. Okay. So years ago, I, I, I heard somebody say, say this. And I thought it was really fitting. It says, watch your thoughts, they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. You see, your mind, your mind determines your destiny, folks. Remember that. And that's why we're going to be talking about the mind. We're, I want you to go ahead and turn to the book of Romans, chapter 11, verse 33. Romans 11, 33. And uh, we're starting this new series today. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about the renewed mind. The name of this series is The Renewed Mind. And uh, over the next few weeks, we're going to take what I'm calling a, a a, a deep dive into the subject of the mind and the way God created, the way God intends it, what God wants to see for our minds. We're going to look at what it looks like. We're going to look at what God wants from it. We're going to look like why we need our minds renewed. Say that, I need my mind renewed. Okay? And I'm going to prove that to you because the foundational scripture for this whole series comes out of Romans 12 too. I'm going to read it to you. It says, and do not be conformed to this world, 
but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, but before we, we're going to, over the next few weeks, we're going to keep coming back to Romans 12 too. We're going to keep coming. It's foundational for this series. But I want to go back into Romans 11, verse 33, and I'm going to start reading there, and we're going to build a little context for what we're doing today. Today would be more like an an introduction to this this series. I'm going to lay some some groundwork and some foundation for us, okay? And so Romans 11:33 it starts this. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Another version says that the ways of God are unfathomable. You know, in worship, I was thinking, you know, uh, that, you know, we come into worship and we may give God, we may call out, we may cry out, we may press in. But I believe that we're only pressing in a very small bit compared to what God wants us to press into him. You see, you know, the Bible says that, that he wants to give to us abundantly above and beyond all that we can ask or think. Most of all, we think of that as resources or things. No, God wants to give his presence Hear this, church. He wants to give us his presence abundantly above all that we can ever ask. In other words, he wants to give us more than we can think of or comprehend. Are you hearing me? Okay. So, oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Verse 34. For who has known the mind of the Lord? How many know the Lord has a mind? We were created in his likeness. We were created in his image. God has a mind. We have a mind. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be the glory forever. Amen. I'm going to repeat that because I want you to understand. Understand the greatness of this statement. For of him, of God, of him and through him and to him are all things. You know what all things means? It means everything. Everything. Everything, everything, everything was, was from him and it was through him and it will return to him. Make sense? Okay. Now let's go to, verse, uh, go to chapter 12, verse 1, okay? I beseech you, therefore, brethren, now that we've laid that found work, that God is unsearchable, his riches and his, his wisdom is unsearchable. It's greater than we could ever. So we, we've got to really go after him just to get small portions of it, right? He'll give us all there is, okay? But he is unsearchable. You can't find the limits or the end of God's wisdom or his riches. You cannot find it, okay? You can't find the end of his mind. It's so vast and so great. So let's get started. Let's go after it, right? And so then he comes in in verse 12, verse 1 uh, in, in chapter 12, and he says, I beseech you, brethren, therefore, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice Holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. 
We'll get into this a little bit more, but how many understand? I believe that it is, your, it is our own bodies. It is sometimes being uncomfortable with pressing into God. I think it's our bodies, in a sense, it's our flesh that, that holds us back from letting go and going after God with everything we are, okay? And he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, present your body, give your body a living sacrifice. It's acceptable. Jesus made it acceptable. Present it to him, holy, acceptable to God. Jesus cleared us of our sins. Jesus forgave us. He died for our sins. Why? So that we can come close to God. So that we can draw near to him. Verse 2 says, and do not be conformed to this world. He's telling us here what's going to hold you back. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Now, if you're saying, well, you're not touching on all of this stuff. No, I'm not, because we got a few weeks that we're going to touch on. Today's foundation. Okay, I hope this will make you hungry for more. And you'll be back every week during this, and, and I promise you every week, we're going to lay it out, and we're going to understand this stuff better and better. So let's just stop and, and pray. Father, I pray, Lord, over every one of us, Lord, that right now we'll open our minds completely to you, Holy Spirit, completely to you. We'll open our hearts completely to you. We're hear what you want to say. Lord, we'll know what you want us to do. And so, God, we just yield ourselves completely to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Now, since Romans 12, 2 is our foundational scripture today. I want to focus on unpacking this. And I know I've said it several times because it's the foundation of what we're going to be talking about. But he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The first thing that I want you to see here is do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world. That's not Pastor Steve saying it. That is the, the Apostle Paul, and that is the Lord Jesus speaking that and telling us through Paul. He's telling us, do not be conformed to this world. Now, what we need to understand is Paul is not writing this, if you will, to sinners. And I mean, he is, but he's writing this to the church. He's writing this message to the church at Corinth. And he's telling, and, and church at Rome, and he's telling them, he's telling them, do not be conformed to this world. Why? Because we as believers still have the ability to be conformed, to conform our lives to the, to the world. Okay? So that's what, he, and it's kind of a warning, and he warns us here. He warns the church. He's warning us, do not be conformed to this world. Jesus in John 17 16, he says that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. It's a different way of saying the same thing. We are in the world. We have been sent. We are on mission in this world. Okay? We say that with me. I am on mission in this world. Okay? You have a purpose. You have a God plan in your life. You're on mission in this world. So we are in this world, but Jesus was very specific, and Paul warns us that we are not of this world. We are not of the character of this world. We're not of the philosophy and the nature of this world. Can you hear me, church? Yeah. Jesus is warning us, 
not to become like the world. And today we have to be more and more careful. We have to be stronger. And I'm telling you, the closer we get, the more we press into God, the stronger we get and we become less like the world and more like Jesus. But Jesus warns us, don't become like the world. Now this word conform, do not be conformed. The word conformed means fashioned or pressured into a form, okay? It gives the connotation of pressured. How many of you ever feel pressured to be like the world? How many ever feel like you've got to do this in order to live or to function? The world, the, the whole idea of the world is to pressure and form you, to shape you into what it wants you to be. Paul says, don't do it. Don't be conformed. Okay? When I was a child, uh, I remember driving with my parents uh, up the Florida Turnpike, and they had those... Uh, they have, the, I think they called them plazas. They're rest stops, and they had these. They still have the buildings you go inside. And you, I don't even know if they still have all the food and vending machines. But they had this one vending machine, and it was a, it was an, uh, an injection mold. And you'd put a quarter. That tells you how long ago that was. You'd put a quarter in it, and and this thing would close, and it would inject plastic in it, and then it would open up, and the, this little alligator fell down, and 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 I, that was my toy. I paid a quarter to get it. But what happened was, is that machine came and it formed, it pressed, it pressured this the plastic together to form that little alligator toy that, that I paid for, okay? That is kind of what the world wants to do with us. And Paul says, don't. The word conformed comes from a Greek word that I am not even going to try to pronounce, okay? But, what it, but listen to what it means. It, it, it means, it's where we get the word scheme. The word conform comes from a Greek word. It's where we get the word scheme, and it has the connotation of an underhanded plot. There is, listen to me, church, there is an underhanded demonic plot in the world. We call it the world. It's in the earth to, to conform you, to conform you to be like the world. And Paul says, don't do it. Don't do it. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, listen to this. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Amen. Paul says, don't let the world conform you to it. Lest Satan should take advantage of us. How many know the Bible says that, that, that Satan sits at the door of your life waiting to pounce on you? Why do we draw near? Why are we called to press into God every day? Why? Because the closer we get to him, the farther we get away from the enemy. Okay? But he says here, lest Satan should take advantage of you, for we are not ignorant of his devices. None of us have an excuse to be ignorant of the devices of Satan. The Bible teaches us the things. Here's one of them. Do not be conformed to the world. We should not be ignorant. The word devices here means mind or thoughts. That word that says that, that in that 2 Corinthians 2.11, where it says we should not be ignorant of his devices, that word devices means mind or thought. We should not be ignorant of the devil's mind or his thoughts, what he is thinking. Because what he thinks becomes schemes. And when he schemes, his idea is to kill, steal, and destroy, not things, you. 
your family, your marriage, your home, everything that touches you, everything that God blesses you with, he wants to destroy it. Are you hearing me, church? We are warned here not to be pressured into conformity with the world's systems, the world's practices, the world's philosophies, because they're based on the mind of the devil. I'm just being blunt with you. Okay? So first, do not, hear this, do not be conformed to this world. How many know that the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son? God doesn't hate the world. In that, he's talking about people. He sent his only son to die for the world. But here's this. Jesus never became conformed to the world. That's why the world hated him and sought to kill him. Okay? You see, God loves the world. We should love the world. We're not called to hate the world. We're called to love the world. But we're also warned, do not be conformed to the world. Are you hearing me, church? Second thing I want you to see is is to be transformed. Be transformed. The assumption here When he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Say that. Be transformed. The assumption there is we have already been conformed to this world. How many know Romans 3.23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We have already been conformed to this world. We were all, the Bible teaches us, we were all born into sin. That's why Jesus tells us, that, why Jesus tells Nicodemus, if you remember the story of Nicodemus in, in John 3, 7, he looks at Nicodemus and says, you must be born again. Why? Because he was born into sin. He was, conf- was conformed to this world. Being born into sin means you are pre-conformed to this world. That's what sin does to you. So Jesus looks at Nicodemus and says, you got to be born again. I'm going to tell you, church, we all must be born again. Why? Because Jesus explains. He says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. And that which is born of spirit is spirit. Being conformed, uh, being pre-conformed, I mean, we were conformed to yield to the flesh. We were pre-conformed to, to want the things of the world because it pleases the flesh. Remember, remember we, we, we have a mind, our, our will, and our emotions. Our soul is our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our, our, our mind controls the will. Our mind controls the emotions, okay? And that affects our bodies, how we live. It affects how we function spiritually. It affects everything, okay? So Jesus tells us, We must be born again. Why? Because we must be born again to be born of the Spirit. Okay? Every one of us were born of the flesh. Anybody not born of the flesh? Okay. I'm glad no one raised their hand with that one. Okay? But every one of us must be born of the Spirit. Every one of us must be born of the Spirit. We call that... Excuse me. We call that being born again. That is the beginning process of what we call being transformed. Transform comes from the Greek word 
metamorphu. Okay, it's where we get the word metamorphosis. It means complete change in form and character. Are you getting all this, church? Okay. Now, in nature, we see metamorphosis where the tadpole becomes a frog, right? It's a metamorphosis. We see it where the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. That's metamorphosis. In, in the human, it is where the born in flesh is reborn into spirit. It's born again. Are you hearing? It's a metamorphosis that takes place where we are no longer... We are no longer allowing ourselves to be conformed to the, the world or to the flesh. We're losing the desires of the flesh, and we want the desires of the Spirit. So first, we, we're told, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Be transformed. The third thing I want you to see is, how are we transformed? We're transformed by the renewing of your mind. Right now... Every one of us need our minds renewed. None of us can say, my mind has been renewed. Why? Because, because the wisdom of God is unfathomable, unsearchable. We may have, been, we may have had a born-again experience. We may have laid our lives down at the altar. We may be pursuing God, but I'm telling you, we're just tip of the iceberg. God has so much more. He's calling us to so much more. He's calling us to such a deeper encounter and relationship with him. So we must, every one of us need our minds renewed. Paul instructs us, he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of the mind. Now, renewing comes from a Greek word. I'm giving you a lot of that stuff today. I trust you, trust me, I do not speak Greek, and, but I, I can study it and out. But the Greek word, and I say it because I want you to know where the translation comes from. Renewing comes from a Greek word that means renovation, renovation. Our minds have to be completely renovated, and that word means to be made brand new, be made brand new. How many know that the Bible tells us we are new creatures in Christ, right? We have, our, the goal is that our mind would be completely renovated so that we're, we no longer have a desire for the world, a desire for the things of the flesh, that we can be more like Jesus and be able to pursue uh, the salvation of the world, pursue leading people without us being influenced by them. Somebody say amen. amen. So to, we have a, a neighbor in our neighborhood and oh, about three months ago, he started renovating his house. I mean, new roof, outside. I mean, even some walls on the outside have been torn out. But they're doing something on the inside. We don't even know what it is. But, I mean, there's a lot of people and stuff going in. So he's, he's, I think he's completely gutted his house. He's completely remodeling this house. And I think, you know, that's the way God wants to do. Sometimes he, sometimes he, he you know, we come to the altar. There's this outward expression. That's why we, we want to, uh, that's why we're called to, to make the sacrifice of praise with our bodies because there's an outward work. But I think the real work has to be inside. We may not even see it. We may not even know what's going on, what God's doing. But if we keep after him, keep pursuing him, I'm telling you, God is making you brand new. Amen. He's renovating your mind. He's renovating who you are. Now, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be talking of one thing about about how we tear down 
certain mindsets are strongholds in our life. And, but that's not for today. But, but how we tear down those mindsets and strongholds and, and philosophies is by making our minds brand new, by listening to what Paul says here, okay? Peter, in, in Acts 2.38, Peter says this. He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Now, every, the last Sunday of every month, we call it Baptism Sunday. We haven't used that, that beautiful baptism tank in a long time now, I think because people were afraid with COVID. Oh, I'm itching to baptize people. If you've never been baptized, I want you to, to drop me a note, put it on your connection card. If you want to be re-baptized, no, there's nothing the Bible says you can't be baptized again. If you've had an encounter with God, you want to be baptized. I would love to have a lineup of people on the last Sunday of this month baptizing. I believe God's going to bring a revival when we do something like that. Amen? But Peter says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. You know what the word repent means? Change the way you think. We think, most, we think repent means to ask God to forgive you for your sins. That's part of it, but the process of repentance means to change your mind, to change the way you think. It is part of us becoming brand new. We have to repent. If you don't repent, you'll never tear down the strongholds that are causing the things that you're repenting from. Those strongholds have to be torn down. So how do we do this? Romans 8, 5 says, for those who live according to the flesh, okay, we've already seen, if you live by the flesh, you know, if, if, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to do the things of the flesh. If you all are born of the flesh, but yet we need to be born of the spirit. Here he says, if we live according to the flesh, they set their minds. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. Are you, did you hear that? If you're living according to the flesh, it's because that's where your mind has been set. But those who live according to the Spirit, it's because they have set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Are you hearing me? So Paul says in Colossians 3.2, he says, So set your mind on the things above, not on the things of this earth. Set your mind. Fix your mind. The Bible's filled with those words, fix and set. Why? Because we have to set. We have to, it's like we got to put a hook in the things that are above and the things that are of the Spirit. We have to grab a hold of it. Like in the Old Testament, they would grab a hold of the altar. Uh, they would grab a hold of the horns of the altar and they would cry out to God. That's the way we set our minds. We grab a hold of Jesus. We grab a hold of the Holy Spirit. We set our minds and our hearts on him and we pursue after him relentlessly, relentlessly, relentlessly until we are being conformed into the image of Christ and that the image of the world is becoming less and less and is fading away in our lives. Can somebody say amen? amen. To set your mind means to set your affections. Remember your, your, your mind, your will, and your emotions. It's your soul. Your emotions, your will, have to do with your affections. Most of us have affectionate things for this world. Most of us have, have some hooks in our lives that our affections are causing us to live according to the flesh. Are you hearing me? 
Okay, I'm making some of you uncomfortable right now. I'm sorry. No, I'm not sorry. So to set your mind means to set your affections. You have control over your affections. Some, in some degree, it's discipline, but I'm not talking about self-discipline. Even though you have to learn how to be disciplined, you have to learn how to say no. But here's the way. I want to I leave you with this, and I'm getting ready to close. So the worship team, you guys can go ahead and come up. Here's the real truth about how you set your, your mind on the things above and set your affections on the things of God. It's you give yourself wholly to God. I'm going to say that again. You give yourself wholly to God. Every area where your affections are being set on the things of the flesh, give that area to God. Every day, give it to Him. Give it to Him. Give it wholly to Him. That's why in Romans 12, 1, just before this, our foundation passage, he leads into that foundation passage of 12.2. But Romans 12.1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. He's saying, give yourself wholly, wholly, so that you will not be conformed so that you can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Church, I'm calling you. I believe God's doing something at New Life. Amen. I believe God is moving. You know, I believe God is, is speaking to us every week. I just, there are things that God is doing. And he's, he, I, I want to just share from my heart. I believe God is unraveling some things here. Okay? Because he wants to do a new thing here. He's going, to, he's going to do this new thing in each of your lives, in my life, all of us. We're going to experience this newness that he wants to do in us. But I'm telling you, I believe it all begins with our pursuit of him, with our humble and focused and pursuit of God. When we will lay it all down and wholly pursue him with everything we are and everything we have, I believe we're going to see God move like never before. I just can't help but to believe that. Paul says here, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is why our minds need to be renewed. This is why. Look at the last part of verse 2 that you may prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. We'll talk about that in more detail in, in another message. How do we prove the will of God in our lives? How do we prove the will of God? What makes God the happiest? His will being done in the earth. So much so Jesus says, pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Pray, church, pray my will be done in earth. It pleases God. It pleases God when we do his will. How do we prove it? How do we prove that will? By not being, trans by not being conformed to this world, but becoming wholly transformed by the renewing of our minds. Would you bow your heads in prayer?
Father, I thank you, Lord, today. God, I thank you. You never gave up on us. Thank you for never giving up on me. And Lord, I know I've given you many reasons and times that if you were human, you would have. But God, thank you that your wisdom, your love is unfathomable, unsearchable, and that you never gave up on me or anyone else here. And God, today, Lord, I, I just pray as each of us, as we're, as we're sitting here contemplating the renewing of our mind, Lord, I, my prayer is that every one of us would make the choice. We would make the decision to not allow our lives to be conformed to this world. My prayer over every person here is I will not be conformed to this world. My prayer is that, that God would cause you, give you whatever self-discipline you need, but more so that God would put a fresh new hunger in your heart to pursue him, a fresh new desire to run after God, a fresh new desire to be close to him, to pursue his word, to pursue his presence, to pursue his love, to pursue everything that God is so that you will not be conformed. That's my prayer. If you're here today, I'm going to just tell you this part first so I don't forget it. We're going to go back into a song in just a moment, and I'm going to invite you to these altars. This is a stage when we have, we use this stage, but it's an altar. And I believe that part of what God wants to do is restore the altars of the church. And I know that may seem old-fashioned, but I'm telling you, there's just miracles happen at the altars. But I believe today, if you're here today listening to me, you've heard this message, something stirred in your heart and you're saying, God, I want that. I want my mind renewed. I want you just to lift your hands right now. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Father, I pray, Lord, over every person with their hands raised. Lord, I believe that every person right now with their hands raised is saying, God, you've stirred my heart. You've stirred the waters of my heart. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill my heart today. Give me a fresh new hunger. Give me a fresh new passion to go after you. Give me a, a fresh new desire to be close to you. Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life. I pray, cleanse my mind. Cleanse my heart. Set me and make me brand new. And Lord, today, today, set up a, a holy hedge of protection around me called your presence to keep any influence from around my life that would cause me to be conformed to this world. Because Lord Jesus, say this with me. Everybody pray this with me. Lord Jesus, I want to be conformed to the image of Christ. I want to be like you, Jesus. I want to be in your image and in your likeness. I want to be Jesus' feet, his hands, his voice. I want to be the love of God walking in the earth.